I really don't like Tim Burton. You like Sweeney Todd. Just because I like Johnny Depp. And Sleepy Hollow. Just because I like Johnny Depp. Is he in this movie? Did I miss it? Did I not pay attention? I don't think Johnny Depp was in this movie. No, he was not in this movie. I know because I read over the cast. I think this was before the Johnny Depp, Tim Burton. No, no, because he was in Edward Scissorhands. No. Yeah, I I said something that was completely false. You are a silly Billy. Well, I'm America. Hello. That's James. Hello. And we uh, just got done watching James and the Giant Peach. Me, not for the first time. James, for the first time. The very first time. And it was great. That's one word for it. It was a fantastic movie. I have trauma from this childhood movie. That rhinoceros cloud has lived in my brain in, like, forever. I have very distinct, like, memories of nightmares about that fucking rhinoceros cloud. All right, here's the thing about the movie. It isn't a bad movie. But it's uninspiring. Oh, oh, the movie that's about, like... An inspirational story of a young child is not inspiring? I mean, it's just... It's not interesting. Some stuff happens, characters exist, but none of them are compelling or... And and here's the problem, too, is I'm watching this movie as an incredibly jaded adult. So, suspending my disbelief is next to impossible already and they don't bother to try and explain away any of the questions that occur throughout the movie and the only explanation given for anything is uh oh this weird old dude showed up and he gave james a little sack of magic crocodile tongues that are really just electric green squiggles that are animated on top of the rest of the movie First of all, Tim Burton is downright obsessed with bugs and his very best friend, Henry Selleck. Yes. Who, if we're keeping track here, also directed uh, Nightmare Before Christmas, which is the other acceptable Tim Burton movie. Um, It's also a Tim Burton movie that Tim Burton did not direct, but everyone gives credit for directing. Well, he did produce it. Just like this one. Yeah. So, you start the movie and it's confusing because at first there's a real boy. And that's not normal uh, for Tim Burton or Henry Selleck and all their uh, their many stop-motion adventures. I mean, Tim Burton has done live-action movies, James. No, that's not real. Sweeney Todd, Edward Scissorhands, Sleepy Hollow, I don't. Beetlejuice! Mm-mm, mm-mm. Tim Burton does one thing and that is sniff bugs, and kiss Henry Selleck on the mouth. Batman! Oof. Tim Burton directed a Batman! So, <laughs> the, the, whole, the whole premise of the movie is that there's this, this young English lad named James, and his parents are killed by a storm rhinoceros. Yes. There will be no explanation given about the rhinoceros in the clouds. So already, awful. I mean, what is that? And that is not something I will attribute to Tim Burton or to Henry Selleck. 
No. That's not a them thing. That was a Roald Ro- doll. That's Roald doll. And if you were to try and find something as insanely contrived as that in something that is actually done, like, conceptually by Tim Burton or Henry Selleck, you wouldn't because they're better than that. Roald Dahl is a psychopath, and frankly, I have not been a huge fan of his work. Willy Wonka? Nah. Matilda? Nah. The BFG? I haven't seen it. Read it? Nope. Have you actually read any of Roald Dahl? I read Wonka. So you read Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Yeah. Did you read the sequel? Which one's that? Charlie and the Glass Elevator. No, because I didn't care for Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. If you ever want a mind trip and you like Roald Dahl or you don't, either way, go read uh, The Glass Elevator because it's a, uh, it gets weirder somehow. They're in space at one point. Well, that's wild. Um, I'm pretty sure. It's been years. So I'm almost certain that rhinoceroses do not eat people. Rhinoceri? It's well, if if we're gonna hearken back to I want a hippopotamus for Christmas, they do refer to multiple rhinoceroses as rhinoceroses. They also refer to hippopotamuses as hippopotamuses, though. But and they also refer to hippopotamuses as hippopotamuses. Yeah. So I don't know if we can be using that as our field guide for plural. I'm going to anyway. So animals. Poor James. His parents are killed. By uh, uh, what I can only describe as an imaginary rhinoceros. But at one point in the beginning of the movie, he had parents. And then now he does not have parents. And now he has to live with his aunts who are like, they're they're like, I, I don't know. A good way to describe them. They look but... like they'd belong in Count Olaf's troop. Yeah. I kept thinking that. I was like, this is very... Because it's been a while since I've seen James and the Giant Peach or read it. And I just looked at them and I was like, this is feeling very series of unfortunate events to me. It it really does. And, I, you know, I think I'm overexposed to stories about kids whose parents die and then their next guardians are just dog shit. Well, like, it's like Disney only knows how to do one thing. It's like there's one story, and maybe maybe this movie's actually much better than I give it credit for, but I'm so fucking over that story-building block. Like, I just... What if his next Guardians are dope? What if we did that? Or what if he just didn't have his parents killed by imaginary rhinoceroses? What if, what if that happened? What if anything else? And it's not, this isn't Tim Burton's problem. This isn't Henry Selleck's problem. This isn't the studio's problem. This is Roald Dahl writing it back in fucking the Middle Ages or whatever. <laughs> that ancient angsty fuck. And it's just... <laughs> I fuck, He could still be alive. I don't know. He's not. Okay, well, I hope he rolls in his fucking grave. Because this is sucks ass. And actually, the more I talk about it, the more frustrated I'm getting about the whole story as a whole. And honestly, it's I, I don't think you could take this story, hand it to any other director, and have it be better. Like, I think I I think Tim Burton and Henry Selleck did the best that they possibly could given the, the story, 
and it, you know, it it's macabre tone and it's sort of creepy and weird set fixtures all sort of match aesthetically with what those two do. So I like you see where I'm having trouble because I don't think they did a bad job. You just don't like the story. I can't fucking stand the story. I will say, in Roald Dahl's defense, he does do the opposite of that story, like, arc in Matilda, where her original parents are absolute dog shit people, and her adopted mother is fantastic. Well, that's something, I guess. Also, you tricked me into watching a musical, you motherfucker. I didn't mean to. I didn't remember that it had songs. I don't mind watching musicals, but I like to know in advance if I'm going to walk into them. The first song dropped and James just looked over at me and glared and I was like, I thought it wasn't. I'm I need sorry. to be I need to be mentally prepared to have songs. OK, I can't just be having musicals drop out of nowhere. Um, so James's life with his horrible ant guardians uh, is uh, exactly as terrible as you'd expect. And once again, I'm just so fucking jaded by that concept story wise. Because, like, everything they did to him, I was like, oh, it's just the standard fare. And I just tuned it out. Like, if you, it, it, it's like with any, think of, like, a war, right? It's terrible. And if it goes on for a long time, you eventually get so used to reading the same fucking headlines of the same fucking atrocities that just keep happening. That you become totally immune to... Thinking that it's bad. I didn't realize this podcast was going to be so topical. <laughs> Don't stray into there. But I'm watching this movie and I'm like, it. yeah, okay, it sucks. Can we get to the like next stage of the movie? Like, Can we just skip the first act where life is terrible and everything's awful and some sort of mystical, magical bullshit happens so that we can move on to the nicer part of the movie? Because to the actual uh, giant peach part of the movie, right? Like, I don't. Maybe if I'd read the book as a kid, I'd have a nostalgia boner for it, or maybe I'd like it more. I don't know. Charlie and the Chocolate Factory isn't my favorite movie to watch either, and I read that book as a kid. I. I think Tim Burton likes Roald Dahl because his stories are so they're twisted, and outlandish, weird. and stuff. Yeah, that he can do Tim Burton things and not have to really like change all that much. Yeah, he doesn't he doesn't need to bend to the whims and wills of producers who are hands off. He can just do his shit because his shit sort of aligns with Roald Dahl. Um so James is suffering uh and at one point he is does he fu- does he meet the guy when he's Taking this when he's saving the spider, mm-hmm. or is it before that? No, I think he, it's, I, th- I thought it was before no, that. No, because he saves the spider and goes and puts her out there, and then he gets the worms because he's by the wall in his pajamas. Okay, so James saves this spider that was hanging out in a windowsill because his ants hate bugs. I mean, same though. They're also slobs and awful at any sort of household maintenance, and the fact that they're having like a five year old do it. He's got to be like seven or eight, right? Yeah, I'm thinking like seven. He's got to be like seven or eight. Somewhere in there. Like young, but not like a not, child. Yeah, not childlike. Um, Other than the fact that he's a child. Anyways, James saves the spider. He's out by this fucking brick wall in the front yard of the house on the hill. 
and this horrible, creepy man in a costume that almost resembles a military uniform just covered in ribbons and medals. Very steampunk. But also, it's as far as I can tell, it's like mostly garbage. Uh, so he's kind of like a garbage man. Um, is out there, and he just starts talking like really fast at James and just saying a million things all at once. Very fantastical. Um, children, if you meet someone like this, run away. Run away from that man. That is a bad man. That man means harm. He is not a good man. You don't think you should take his secret bag full of glowing magic? How are you not kidnapped as a child? Dude, grade A kidnapping suspect right here. Dude, I'm lucky I wasn't kidnapped by the Fae at some point. You, oh my god. No, don't get the fuck away from those type of dudes. Fuck those guys. So, he has a little baggie, and it's full of squiggles. And he calls them crocodile tongues. They're crocodile tongues that have had a lot of things done to them, including, like, resting in a witch's skull under moonlight with, like, three spoonfuls of sugar or some such. So... Long story short, he's got a bag of animated magic squiggles. <laughs> and the animated magic squiggles will be the linchpin for the rest of the movie. In that, James will drop them and spill all the little magic squiggles. That he was told to not do, like, right before. And then the little magic squiggles will not make another appearance except for one other time. And then another time, a long time later. I was like, at least two other times. But So, leave it to a child to spill the bag of all the magic. Uh, and it... He spilled a lot more magic squiggles than one peach and five bugs worth. But, well, I guess it's six bugs. The glow worm is also there. Uh, and him, so that's at least seven squiggles. But there were, he said there was like a thousand crocodile tongues in there. Right, so I can only assume England is forever fucked up by the magic squiggles. That's what caused it all, guys. That's what did it. Um. So the peach becomes a peach. First of all, and this is something I neglected to mention earlier, one of the household chores that James has to do is he has to weed. And at, at the house on the hill, everything's dead. There's no need to weed anything because everything's dead. Nothing could grow in the same vicinity as those old bags in the fucking house. Like, it's, it's such an awful everything. Uh, and, and it's all dreary and glum and awful to look at. It really is just horrible to look at with your eyes. It makes your eyes hurt. Uh, so then a peach grows, and the aunties decide that they're going to make money off of it. And so they charge a fee to come view the peach, and no flash photography unless it's of me, because I'm gorgeous. No, you're not. You're dolled up in a Tim Burton movie. That's not allowed. You cannot be gorgeous. Um, one of the funniest things that happens in the movie is that they charge a pastor double to view the peach. That's just funny to me. Little little jab at the English church. Um, so, eventually, li li uh, like, I kind of feel bad skipping over, like, transitions 
and little things that move the plot along. Like all the trauma James goes through? Yeah. You, ha- you had 11 notes in 11 but minutes, and I feel like you didn't there, say any of them. I, I've said, I'm, I'm all the way up to, like, my 15th note, oh, they're and just, I've said a lot of them. they're just so smooth that they're blending into your rant? Yeah. I I do that often, actually. But the it's just so mind-numbing. All the like heinous stuff. And I guess if you watch the movie in 1996 or whenever the fuck it came out, it wouldn't be as dis- it would be much more disturbing, right? Like before we started doing this trope of orphan whose parents loved him and gave him a nice home now suffers in perpetual angst and agony. I mean, that trope's been around since Cinderella, so That's true. I was like, since... I, but, okay, but that that's what I'm talking about, right? I've been, I've been on this planet for 28 years, and it's one of the only fucking stories there is. Is person has parents who are great. Parents die for X reason, and now they must live with a relative who treats them like shit. I will say this, at least Disney is not telling that story anymore. I mean... Yeah, now they're just retelling comic book stories. Poorly. Or- or uh, stories they've already done once. But I, I mean, like, Rapunzel... Well, no, that's not a good example. Um, <laughs> Tiana Tiana has her mom. El- Anna and Elsa lose both their parents, but, like, they don't go live with a bad person. Um, other Disney... Encanto is all about, like, destroying, like, family. Um, generational trauma... Like, they're telling new stories now. Unfortunately, their marketing team is ass, so they're not making any money off of them, but they're trying. And they're not trying very hard. But the... I don't know. it. I skip over it because it's it drags. It drags on my brain. It's not interesting. It's not entertaining. It's not fun. It's, it's boring at this point. And that's not to say that there isn't merit to it when it was made, but to watch it now, after 28 years of the same shit, I I simply could not be bothered to give a fuck. And I think that's that's kind of a tragedy. That's a that's a tragedy on the filmmaking industry in general. Like, how have we gotten so boring that we can't rewatch a movie without feeling like you're wasting your time. The most interesting parts of the movie happen once it gets to stop motion. And all of that is like being on drugs. (laughs) A lot of the rest of my notes are like, Oh, well now he's on drugs. Well, all of this is the drugs that I wish I could be doing right now. And it, it, you know, uh, it just sucks. Anyways, James gets he bolts out of his house at one point. You know, he is instructed to go pick up trash. Uh, and he does he see one more squiggle? No, he ha he hasn't been fed in days, so he takes a oh, chunk of the peach. That's right. And he the eats, squiggle jumps into the. He peach. eats a chunk of the peach. One last magic squiggle jumps into that chunk of peach, uh, and. Thus starts the drug-fueled rampage that will see a seven-year-old 
leave from England and arrive in New York City unexplained. There's a giant peach and seagulls. Captained by a centipede. From Brooklyn. Yep, who's a Commodore. No. This movie is insane. And I don't think it's the movie's fault. You know that? I don't think the movie's insane because it's the movie or because it's done by Tim Burton or by Henry Selleck. I think the movie's insane because the story is a fucking cracked out story. I think Roald Dahl did a shitload of drugs and just wrote down a dream he had about maybe if I could escape England. Was he English? Yeah, I'm pretty, yeah. Maybe he had a terrible childhood and he wrote down a dream about how he could escape England. I will say this, Roald Dahl has some serious trauma wrapped up in authority figures because, I mean, you've got Matilda, you've got the BFG, you've got, um, I guess Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, not so much. Like, his parents were nice. Well, yeah, his, his parents were nice, but they were also destitute. Um, <laughs> and his grandfather's a hack and a terrible person. And... God damn you, Grandpa Joe. You have the witches, which are all about, like, evil adults. And so he definitely has some sort of trauma wrapped up in, like, authority figures in his life, for sure. Who hurt you, Roald Dahl? Who hurt you? In his time, probably a lot of people. So, so James eats the drugs, and now he goes to the peach dimension. In which he will climb through a hole in the peach, no bigger than a volleyball. And he will transform into a clay figurine that can move and talk. But it does not have sad little button eyes like Coraline. Also a fucked up movie. Coraline. Coraline is another messed up. Like, that's, again, not just the movie. Like, that's just a messed up story. It's a fucked up story. In general. (laughs) And I, listen, I like me a good fucked up story. But if the fucked up story is like... One that we've told a million times, I'm not going to pay attention to it. Coraline doesn't have... Coraline's crazy. Coraline doesn't have the same trope of... I kind of wish you had not made me watch Coraline so we could do a movie review about Coraline and you had made me watch James and the Giant Peach because this movie is boring and Coraline is crazy. Coraline's so... uh, Like, uh, uh, you're right. As far as storytelling, Coraline's a much better story James and the Giant Peach is... Drab. It drags its fucking feet. I will also say, out of the Roald Dahl books, it's not even probably the best one. Because, you again, you have Matilda. You have Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. You have the fucking BFG. Like, it. it's just... It I mean, doesn't feel as, like, complete, I guess. Like, it doesn't feel like a whole thought. Like, yeah, there's a rhin- evil rhinoceros cloud, but that doesn't make sense at least all the other stories have like tangible threats and tangible consequences and tangible like achievements like there's all i i will give you that about this story is there's very clearly it feels almost too whimsical and this is coming from again a writer i I would not call a single thing i watched in that movie whimsical Nightmare inducing sure well i'm just saying it lacks some of that like realism that the rest of Oh, it's not grounded in reality in any way. But, like, the rest of Roald Dahl's work, even though there's a giant that, like, goes in and plants dreams in children's head through a giant trumpet, like, that seems more realistic than uh, James and the Giant Peach. 
because the story is more thought out. Fuck, you should have put any other movie on the list I other can... than James and the Giant Peach because that sounds way more interesting than the fucking orphan is sad goes into the magic dimension story again. We can watch the BFG. It's one of my favorite stories from childhood. Like, that's one of my... I, use, I loved that book. You can put it on the list. Anyways, now... Oh, fuck me. Ugh. Now, we are in animation land inside the peach where James stumbles upon a meeting of the peach's inhabitants, which are a spider, a grasshopper, a centipede, a worm, an earthworm, and a glowworm and a ladybug. Did you say spider? Yep. Okay. Led with spider. And these varying creatures will have different accents, be from different parts of the world, which is super extremely unbelievable, just because I know how bugs work. And they will not be hostile towards each other or the human boy James in any way. Also... All of them are human-sized. It is not that James has shrunk upon becoming animated. All of these bugs are the size of people. Yes. And this peach is the size of a two-story house. Yes. Now, it is claymation, which is a lost art form. Every single thing is fuzzy. The texture... Of everything, except for the interior fruit portion of the peach, is somewhat fuzzy. I didn't notice Especially that. Especially the exterior of the peach, where they very clearly used a painted orange felt. It is so fuzzy. Everything is just fuzzy. And it was almost, it was almost upsetting, looking at everything and going, uh, 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 uh. So, uh. now, they're just sort of hanging out. Everybody becomes friendly with James. James becomes friendly with everybody. Uh, and they don't have names. They're just called the creature that they are. Um, the spider's from France. Mm -hmm. The centipede's from Brooklyn. Uh, the earthworm is an earthworm. And his accent is so generic. The ladybug and the, the grasshopper from England. Yes. So, and the glowworm sounds old. Yeah, that's pretty much it. <laughs> so, they're just sort of hanging out, and then they hear the ants come out and start looking for James. Uh, and so they all hide and panic a little bit. And the centipede says, I'll take care of this. And he scurries his little way out of the top of the peach, and uses his head pincers to cut the stem, uh, resulting in the peach rolling over the ant's car after they get in it, crushing it, uh, and then rolling down the hill through the village, bouncing off a church, and landing in the ocean. Yep. Everyone in the peach should be dead. Yep. I don't know if you've, like, I, you know, I, I would love to see a crash 
cam from the inside of a motorhome with a bunch of crash test dummies not strapped down and they roll it down a hill? You want the Mythbusters to test out the I don't. Peach. The Mythbusters would watch the sequence and be like, everybody's dead. No one survives. Now, it could be said that because the peach is squishy, it would cushion their fall as they tumble around. Well, sure, maybe you don't die when you hit the walls of the peach, but what about all the other bodies you're bouncing off of? And all, like, the glowworm is in a metal lantern. That's her home. She's inside of a big hunk of metal inside the peach. Like, wh what about all the other shit that you could bounce off of? What about the pit? Peach pits are hard. They're made of tree. Yeah, I got nothing. Like, sure, maybe you don't die when you bounce off the walls, but, I mean, you're bouncing off a bunch of other shit in there, and also man-sized bugs. So, everyone in there should be dead. Um, and then they get into the ocean, and they sort of come to the realization that via, uh, we'll call it Manifest Destiny, they are supposed to get to New York City. Uh, sure, why not? James wanted to go to New York City. His parents were going to take him before they got killed by the ghost he rhinoceros. He has his travel book, and the travel book shows the peach and their destination as New York. Okay, is there another thing you can think of in this world that is more contrived? No. And I'm not, once again, I cannot give Tim Burton or Henry Selleck shit for this movie. I just can't. It's about par for their standards. This story by Roald Dahl is fucking insane. It's just fucking insane. I, I don't think it's good. I think it's pretty shit, actually. It's fucking crazy. And they I, I'm not even going to get to the part that's the most offensive about the movie until the second episode of this podcast. I'm so intrigued. So, and we haven't even met the mechanical shark of death yet. Also, what the fuck is that about? Because that's coming next. Also, why are the seagulls so small? I'm a man-sized man. I've seen seagulls in recent history. Saw them on the beaches in Michigan. They were not small like these seagulls are. Maybe if they found some bigger seagulls, they wouldn't have needed a hundred seagulls to move this house-sized peach. Now think about this for a moment. They needed to get a hundred baby seagulls to move a two-story house-sized fruit full of man-sized bugs. I need to tell the podcast right now that James is literally vibrating. Like, he's shaking with anger. <laughs> I don't know if it's anger or incredulity. At, at the atrocity to art that I've witnessed tonight. It just keeps, it just keeps getting more like you're sh hey, I'll, I'll, I'll go a step farther. It only gets to be art because Tim Burton, the dark cavernous artist, got his mitts on it. And Henry Selleck, his lapdog director, also got his mitts on it. I want to know what kind of deal they worked out together. With the devil. Where uh, Tim Burton's like, yeah, you're going to direct this movie, and then I'm going to get credit for it forever. Just like Nightmare Before Christmas. Like, It's because Henry likes Tim Burton's aesthetic. So any choices Henry makes, they're just also Tim's. Also, 
What kind of bullshit name is Tim Burton for the man who did all of the fucking crazy shit that we've seen from his career? His name is Tim. His name, his name is Tim. Have you ever met a boring Tim? One. The other Tim I've met threatened to fight customers in the front of the store. I was like, that's not a boring Tim. No, that Tim was dope as hell. Okay. This Tim is a mad bastard. Um, so the mechanical shark. Right, the mechanical shark of death. Uh, but before we can get there, oh, uh, well, don't forget, we have to rope the seagulls into this. Because the seagulls happen just before the mechanical shark of death. Yes. So And we, semi-during. Well, yeah, it's a, it's a process. So they have no way to power this boat that is not a boat, it's a peach. And it's also not a peach, it's a house, but it's a peach. They have no way to make it move, and so they see seagulls hovering above like carrion birds in the desert. As they wait for food. If you think about it, actually, seagulls are just buzzards of the ocean. Yeah. They're just not ugly motherfuckers. No. But they're twice as mean. So, so, <laughs> James gets the genius plan to use bird power to get them to uh, New York. And so they rope a few seagulls and they start drifting. Terrific. Awesome. Well done. They baited them with the earthworm under much protest. I was like, non-consensually. <laughs> oh yeah, they had to tickle him to get him to wiggle. Like, And then they had to thrash him about to get him to wiggle more. It was really, everything that happens in this movie is fucked up, okay? Violence occurs in every scene. And most of it is upon me as a viewer. Uh, so, the they rope a few seagulls and then they, they, they see this this whirlpool and they look at it through a monocle which acts as a spyglass uh because that's how things work in imaginary land um or when you're on drugs so they look upon this this whirlpool and the whirlpool is not a whirlpool it's a suction hole for a mechanical shark full of teeth and rage and we have no explanation as to what it is, where it came from, or what it wants. And it just appears. Yep. And is immediately hostile. Hmm. Oh, I get it. What? It's a euphemism for North American police officers. I don't think so. Anyways. They rope another 75 seagulls as they now must escape the mechanical shark of death. And in, in doing so, the peach begins to fly, but the mechanical shark of death has tricks up its sleeve as though it was designed by Count Olaf for murder. And it fires a harpoon and sticks into the peach, and so it gets, you know, it's a tug of war now, and so then it fires bullet bills from Mario, shaped as tiny sharks that can fly and bark like dogs. <laughs> okay, when you say it- it's... When I say the things that happen in the movie, it sounds crazy? Is that what you mean? A little bit. Oh! Oh! 
I'm sorry. Let me rephrase in a way that's more sensible. Nothing's coming to mind. This movie is insane. First, it was boring and awful and a repeat of everything I hate about movies. And then it was drugs. All of them at once. More than one time in this sequence alone, I found myself staring at the TV, a note not written on my phone with my mouth open like an asshole. I will say I kept looking over at James and a lot of it was just... <laughs> like, just... You have not had me watch a movie more absolutely befuddling than this. This is the most insane thing I've watched that you have made me see. You made me watch every Twilight movie to prove I loved you. And this is the most insane thing I've seen. I watched Carlisle get his head taken off in one shot by the Volturi. And this is the most crazy fucking thing I've ever seen in my life. It's a non-stop cavalcade of bullshit. Again and again, it assails the senses. It dares you to think it won't get stranger, and then it does. It's wild. Is it bad? I don't know. I couldn't tell you because I can't really process all of the things that happened. Visually, it might be one of the most interesting looking movies I've ever seen. Story-wise, it's one of the worst movies I've ever seen. Conceptually, fascinating. Aesthetically, exactly what you'd expect from Tim Burton. Whoever, Roald Dahl, needs to take a fucking page out of the South Park manual of writing stuff. Because there's a, there's a viral clip I talk about all the time now that Matt and Trey gave about how they write episodes of South Park. And they, they were like giving a, uh, I think they were teaching a class, or they were like, guest teaching a class or something at a university in Colorado. And they talked about the way you have to lay out your story beats and how you need to transition from one to the next, to the next, to the next. And it's always, it's, it's kind of like the rules of improv where it's yes. And there always needs to be a, this happens. And so this happens, not this happens. And then this happens. It's this happens. And then this happens, or it's this I fucking, I said it already. The way this movie happens is one crazy thing occurs, and then we have a song sung by a bug in claymation, and then another crazy thing happens. And then we have another song sung by a bug in claymation, and then this crazy thing happens. And then, whoa, you guessed it, another song sung by a bug in claymation, and then another fucking crazy thing happens. Okay? This movie is not only not a good musical, it's not a good story, 
And the only good thing about it is, watching it while high must be the most crazy trip. In fact, I'd very much like to get some of our friends who are avid drug users to do some drugs and watch the movie so I can just sit and observe. Wide-eyed and excited. Done. That I can make that happen. Are you halfway through your notes or is this episode going to run Oh, on? Oh, we're going to go for another like 10 minutes because okay. I want to get to the underwater pirate battle. Okay. So. Which is, yes, another it's, thing it's, that happens. It's coming up. <laughs> so. They escape the shark. Yes. Due to the heroics of the Miss Spider and the centipede, and the ladybug. The ladybug takes out those... She does take out the knockoff bullet bills. With her purse. Who bark, and are sharks, and fly. Dude, it sounds like a kid's nightmare, man. It sounds like a child's nightmare. I think that's the idea. I think Roald Dahl just wrote down his childhood nightmares. I... I... That's what... It, that all his books are just his nightmares. If you have a child and they have a nightmare, tell them to write it down because they can make a gajillion dollars on it. You just write it and sell it. That's why some people keep dream journals, honestly. Oh, I take it back. We're not going to get to the... We're not going to get there yet. We can start with the underwater so, pirate battle. Oh, well, yeah, we'll have to. So they escape, and then they're flying through the sky, and then an indeterminate amount of time passes. We don't know how much time. All we know is the centipede starts hallucinating much like I was throughout the course of the movie, in which he looks at his friends and sees food as he is starving to death. And then he looks at the birds and sees birds, which are food, and tries to eat a seagull uh, and is repulsed by the ladybug. Uh, and then they all start to fight about how they don't have any food And I would like to remind everyone that they are presently flying above the Atlantic Ocean in a house-sized peach carried by a hundred seagulls. I gotta go to work tomorrow. <laughs> you know? I gotta I gotta go like pretend to be a normal person <laughs> tomorrow. After watching this. <laughs> and I, how do you how am I supposed to recover <laughs> from the curse that has befallen me? I'm crying. And I, what, what am I supposed to do? Am I supposed to just go to my job tomorrow and do my job after watching the drug trip I have described to you? I need to like, fuck, I don't know, chain smoke a million packs of cigarettes, get wine drunk in the middle of the day, and then write down a drug trip and sell it as a script. What the fuck am I doing? I can, I am fundamentally changed as an individual, <laughs> and so not for the better. 
for having watched this movie as a 28-year-old man. I, I, if you are listening to this right now, I want you, before you skip to the next episode to listen to the rant about the underwater sea battle, I need you to finish this episode and go turn on your Disney Plus, because I know you have it, because we all do, because we're all slaves to the mouse. And I want you to watch James and the Giant Peach all the way to the pre-Marvel post-credits scene. And then turn it the fuck off. And then try, try, try to be a normal person after watching that movie. Bonus points if you've never seen it before. And if you are fundamentally changed for the so much worse, tell me about it in a review of the show. Because God help me, I cannot be alone on this earth as the only person fundamentally changed for the worse by this movie, okay? I can't... I can't make it. How am I supposed to make it through Christmas right now? Christmas is in a week and a day. How am I supposed to make it? You've just heard everything I've talked about. I feel like I'm in a dream world. I don't even think I'm real. There's a hockey game going on I could be watching. I don't even think that's real. What did they do to us? What happened? Who allowed this? If I go to hell, I'm gonna find Roald Dahl, I'm gonna kick his ass. Well, he's probably there. <laughs> All he knows is sad children and angst and being poor in England. What the fuck? Are you gonna get done with your notes so that we can- What the fuck? So that we can start with the underwater pirate? I haven't talked about my notes for like 10 minutes. I know, that's what I was gonna ask. You, you started- Is this show even real? You started talking about the centipede hallucinating and then just- They eat the peach, okay? They don't eat all of it. They just eat some of it. And they do another song. And then they all go to sleep after getting drunk on peach beer made by the stomping feet of a grasshopper. What the fuck? <laughs> WHAT THE FUCK IS THIS?! I'M IN CINEMATIC HELL! GOD HIMSELF HAS TURNED HIS EYES UPON THIS! WHAT A NIGHTMARE! <laughs>